Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 419. This week's episode, a little bit different. I want to try something a little bit more fun, and we're going to answer questions that people are Googling, even some weird ones. Here we go. So today's episode is a little different. I want to do something fun today because we've been obviously talking about a lot of changes and policies and back on cruises. And, you know, I want to take it back a step a little bit, have a little bit of fun. So that way, if somebody from California was driving in their car and their wife was listening to the podcast, they, too, would be interested in hearing this particular episode. And so this week's episode is uh, something a little bit fun. I was kind of going around the Internet, as I usually do, and I, I try to, you know, find ideas. And I started thinking about. What are some things people search for? You know, what are things that people who are going to go on a cruise want to know? And today I've got, basically I typed in to Google, Royal Caribbean is. So those three words, Royal Caribbean is. And Google uses something called auto-suggest, which basically tries to anticipate what you're going to be searching for to make it easier so that we don't have to type it all out. Or maybe there's a more common phrase for something you were looking for. You do this all the time. You just, you know, it's that drop down that appears below where you're searching. And today we've got, uh, when I typed in the words Royal Caribbean is, I got back quite a number of results. Uh, usually I think it's about, I think it's 10, maybe a little bit more than that. So I'm going to answer the top 10 Royal Caribbean is questions. And maybe if this is interesting, we could do other search terms because there's always just a ton of these that are out there and they change all the time, quite frankly. And of course, you can play this game at home too. As I say them, you can pause and think about what you would say to the answer and then hit pause again and yeah, it's all fun. It's, it's a lot of fun, right, Hillary? All right, here we go. So let's start off with uh, number one. Royal Caribbean, is the key worth it? Very common question, and we're going to ignore the fact that as of recording this podcast, you can't actually buy the key. It was something that pre-COVID you could purchase, but if you're unaware, the key is a program that you can buy into certain benefits and enhancements, if you will, to your cruise, like being able to check in earlier for your cruise or board the ship earlier for your cruise, I should say. Uh, special times for signature attractions. It includes the internet package. It's a per-person cost. You pay for it per person, and you got to buy it for everybody in the room if you're buying it. So is the key worth it? I generally tell people no. I think that even if you've never cruised before, there are a lot of ways to work around some of the benefits. Now, there is one exception to is the key worth it, and I should backtrack this by saying in some situations, the key, the price of the key is like $2 a day more than the internet package. So if you're already going to buy the internet package, for that price, it's hard not to say why not spend an extra 2 bucks a day. But in general, I tell people, if you're not staying in a suite, you are going to buy the internet package anyway, and you are below diamond in crown and anchor status, the key can be worthwhile for you just simply because it offers quite a bit in there. And it is easier. At the end of the day, for the same reason I buy the drink package for the convenience, the key has a convenience factor to it. But there are ways to get around the, the what the key gets and actually get it, the same results for free. There is one benefit that you absolutely cannot get without the key, and that is the ability that on embarkation day, you can store your luggage on board. They'll store your luggage for you. Usually, when you get to the cruise terminal, you know you check your luggage, right? And any carry-ons you have, you have to carry with you until your room is ready. Now, pre-COVID, you could board the ship as early as, say, 11 a.m., and your room is going to be ready until 1 o'clock p.m. So, you know, there was that gap where you'd have to be lugging around all your stuff. And we, I've been, this happened to me quite a number of times. Now, granted, that's a benefit that extends for like three or four hours as opposed to you buy the key for the whole cruise, but you have to, you can't pick and choose one day that you have the key. It's for the entire sailing. So, you know, I'm not sure it's there, but, you know, the internet, right? You can always get a pretty good deal on the internet package by pre-purchasing it before the cruise, especially during a cruise plan or sale. That's a way to save money on it. The ability to check in early, just, you know, or get on the ship early. 
get an early check-in time. Do that, you know, do your due diligence. Get one of the early check-in times. You'll be among the first to board anyway. So there's that. Um, you know, the the signature times at the attractions like water slides or the sky pad, it sounds really cool until you realize that the key offers very limited hours. It's not like they offer it all day. They'll usually give it to you at select times. First of all, there's not that many times in my experience. And on top of that, it's always bad times, like 5 o'clock p.m. or when your ship is in port. Great. Well, those are times in which you got other things going on. 5 o'clock is people are eating dinner or getting ready for dinner. When your ship is in port, you're on a shore excursion. So it's hard to take advantage of what that offers. So I'm not – the key sounds a lot better than it is, but yeah, there you go. Number two, <laughs> along the similar lines, Royal Caribbean is the drink package worth it. And I've changed my tune about this for uh, over the years. I think it is worth it. I think the convenience factor is absolutely worthwhile. I don't know about all of you, but when I uh, when I don't have the drink package, I'm constantly sitting around. Whatever we're doing, we're at the pool, we're at a bar, we're at well, I'm at a bar. I'm always thinking about drinking, but you know, we're at a restaurant. Uh, we're, uh, we're we're the kids are you know whatever. Like when you're on the ship, it's inevitably it's just nice to have a drink in your hand, just kind of pass the time. Uh, as, or alternatively, uh, you know, when you're with hanging out with friends, I'm constantly, when I don't have the drink package, I think to myself, well, do I want a drink? You know, well, I do, but I don't want to pay for a drink. Maybe I'll wait an extra 30 minutes and get it later. And that way, you know, it'll, and I, and I play this game. I wrestle with this indecision for most of the day. And it, it, it's annoying, quite frankly. Um, whereas when I have the drink package, you know, I order a drink and, you know, I don't think twice about it. You know, I can get a drink, but maybe we're sitting down at a, you know, the, at a show. And I got for drinks just to sip on for a little bit, you know, to have having a be able to get bottles of water. That's really convenient. Coffees, you know, like lattes and whatnot. It's just nice to have. And I think if you pre-purchase it via the Royal Caribbean website beforehand, I, I I just think that it is worthwhile. You know, for a lot of people, they always think, you know, five to you know, generally the break-even point for the drink package is five to six cocktails, drinks a day, right? That that's alcoholic drinks. We're excluding the value presented with like coffees and bottled water, but. You know, five to six cocktails a day. Matt, that's that's a lot to drink. I don't drink five to six cocktails a day, and I agree with them at home. If I drink one or if I drink two a day, that's like, whoa, right? But five to six is a lot until you realize you're on a cruise ship. And you know, you have a bloody Mary in the morning, you or even just a cup of coffee in the morning, a latte in the morning, right? Then you have, you know, one or two drinks at in the on the pool deck the entire afternoon from noon to four or five o'clock. You have a glass or two of whatever uh, at at dinner. You have another glass or two after dinner at the bar. There you go. You broke even easy. And that's not counting waters and juices. And yeah, so I think it's absolutely worth it. Uh, you know, obviously, if you don't drink uh, at all or very little, I understand that it's not worth it for you. But if you, you know, the, the scenario I just described is not a, you know, fall down drunk behavior. It's just being social on a cruise ship. For some people, that's how they have fun on it. So, yeah. Uh, next question. Royal Caribbean is back. And I think this means is Royal Caribbean back. They are. Yes, obviously. It's, well, I should say obviously. Maybe you don't know this. But yes, Royal Caribbean has restarted cruise. Not every ship is back yet. Uh, that'll take until at least as of right now, spring 2022. But they are indeed. Royal Caribbean is owned by, meaning who does Royal Caribbean, who's Royal Caribbean owned by, right? Well, Royal Caribbean, when we talk about Royal Caribbean here on the podcast, we're talking about Royal Caribbean International. That is the name of the cruise line that operates, you know, Harmony of the Seas, Enchantment of the Seas, Oasis of the Seas, et cetera, right? Cool. The, the Royal Caribbean Cruise Line is owned by a company called Royal Caribbean Group. They used to be called Royal Caribbean Cruises Limited. They renamed themselves in 2020 to Royal Caribbean Group. Royal Caribbean Group owns Royal Caribbean International, Celebrity Cruises, and Silver Sea. They also have partial ownership in other cruise lines like TUI and a couple other ones as well. So that is the company that owns Royal Caribbean International. And initially, when the company was first created, 
back in the 70s, yes, it was actually Royal Caribbean. Um, it, it was just Royal Caribbean Cruise Line. And then when Royal Caribbean bought celebrity or acquired celebrity cruise lines, then they formed Royal Caribbean Cruises Limited, which was the parent company for Royal Caribbean International, which was the original cruise line, and then Celebrity, right? So hope that makes sense. Royal Caribbean is food included. It is included, mostly included, yes, to the point that you can go on a cruise, never spend a dime, and have all your meals and snacks paid for, right? Uh, you may already be aware of this, but there is an opportunity to be able to you know, have additional food options that are not included. So not every single piece of food is included in your cruise fare, right? The uh, You go to the main dining room, you go to the Windjamere, the, that, that's included. You go to Sorrento's Pizza, that's included. Cafe Ronan, that's included. You want to have water, milk, uh, coffee, you know, black coffee, tea, that's included as well. The What's not included, food-wise, would be specialty restaurant dining, right? So Chops Grill, Sabor, 150 Central Park, Wonderland, these are not included. These are additional cost items, sushi at Izumi, right? Uh, in addition, obviously, alcohol is not included. Juices are not included. Bottled water is not included. But you can absolutely go on a cruise and not pay extra for food. Um, so when people ask, is food included? It is, but not every single piece of food, but enough that you don't have to. You, ha you can elect to get some. I would say the alcohol is probably the biggest thing. Uh, soft drinks as well. And again, food versus you know drinks if you want to make that delineation. But uh, yeah. Uh, is Royal, Royal Caribbean is room service free? Room service used to be completely complimentary. A couple of years ago, they changed it. And uh, now room service has a $7.95 fee associated with it. So it's a per order fee. If you order one thing or you order 50 things, $7.95. And, and that covers that. And uh, the exception is for breakfast. Uh, they actually made a continental breakfast option that is complimentary. So if you want basically nothing hot, uh, if you just want, oh, except for the coffee, but food wise, like a croissant or a bagel and there's a continental option that is still complimentary slash free. Uh, there is no matter what you order in room service, gratuities are are expected. Uh, you always want to tip the person who's bringing you your food a couple bucks. Uh, also, during COVID, they've expanded the breakfast options a little bit more so that you have a complimentary option for that as well. Um, in terms of the fee change, you know, making it room service now costs extra for for lunch and dinner. It also coincided with a with a um, menu change for room service, which I think was actually for the best. Um, it, they revamped the menu and they made it better. Number one, the f and again, listen, I get it. It, it went from fee to fr it went from free to fee. No one likes that. I'm with you on that one, right? But number one, it was abused a lot because it was free. Whenever something's free, people will just take it and whether or not they actually want it or not. So what this led to was long, long waits for room service to actually be delivered, especially if you wanted during a peak time. Nowadays, it is far more reasonable to get your food delivered in a normal amount of time, you know, certainly less than an hour. And uh, the quality of the food has gotten up, in my opinion, um, it, compared to what the old menu was. There are certain items that are better than, than others. And uh, overall, I think it's for the best, and I'm okay paying for it. If you're staying in a suite, by the way, I should add this before someone sends me an angry email. Not angry, but just, Matt, you're wrong. Uh, but it is included. Room service is included. All meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If you're staying in a suite, and you can also order room service uh, from the main dining room when they're open. So if you were in your suite and you wanted to order room service for dinner, not only do you have the room service menu, you can also order off the main dining room menu. Essentially, as long as the main dining room is open serving people, you can order off that menu, which is nice. They have another one here. A Royal Caribbean is food free. Talked about that. There's free food and there's food that costs extra. And, uh, you know, how much do, you know, could you really go on a cruise and not spend a dime on food? 
Yes, I could totally see that, especially on short cruises where, you know, three night cruise, you're at Coco Key one of the days. Sure. Why not? I mean, I love the main dining room and I love the Windjamere and you can go to the Windjamere for breakfast, do whatever you're doing on shore, you know, even have lunch on board the ship, dinner in the dining room and, you know, snacks. It's it's totally conceivable. I think the drinks are the harder one to do that. Like, I think food is totally conceivable to do that. Um, I, I'm not sure that drinks would be. Again, it depends on how much of a drinker you are. And you don't have to be a huge drinker. You don't have to be wearing a Hawaiian shirt and uh, be someone that would fit into Animal House movie by any by any means. I, what I really mean is just for a lot of people, being on vacation is having those you know those those pretty drinks, those drinks with a umbrella in them, or the ones that have all the colors. And people go, whoa, what is that? Right? It looks great. That kind of, I think drinks are the harder one to to make wild. But for food wise, sure. On longer sailings, if you go on a seven night cruise or longer, I personally feel it's harder to shy away from the extra cost food just because it's variety, right? Sometimes you just feel like sushi. Sometimes you feel like you want to go and have a great filet mignon, and that's an option as well. So um, it is free, but there are added options. Royal Caribbean, is a passport needed? Oh, boy. This is a, a very, very common question. Do you need a passport? Is it needed? And need is the key word right here. If you're a U.S. citizen sailing on a closed-loop sailing, meaning a cruise that departs from the United States, goes wherever it goes, and then comes back to the same port in the U.S., you do not need a passport. You can cruise with a birth certificate and state-issued ID. It needs to be the original birth certificate. You can do that. I think that's actually absolutely 100% a mistake to do that. The reason being is that assumes everything is fine. Even if, if everything is fine, it still makes it a longer process, both at check-in uh, for your cruise, and then when you're disembarking the cruise, you go through a different line for people who don't have a passport. Do yourself a favor, get a passport. It's not needed for in that scenario. If you're going overseas, if you're cruising an open jaw sailing where your cruise begins at one port ends at another, like a transatlantic, uh, if you're cruising obviously in Europe, you need a passport. That one I think is a little more obvious, but a lot of Americans tend to be like, oh, we don't need a passport. I, I can save myself 100 bucks and, and the time to go get one processed. Trust me when I tell you, you should get a passport. Number one, if you were to ever be stuck somewhere and don't have a passport with you, um, you're you're in deep trouble be, because it, you're now in order to leave that country to go back to the United States, you can't just go to the airport and be like, hey, you know, I want to fly back to to you know uh, Birmingham and you know hop on a plane. You need a passport to be able to exit the country. So what that means is now you're going to have to go to the U.S. consulate, and U.S. consulates are not like Walmart; they're not on every single corner, every single town. In a lot of cases, it can be an hours away. Uh, my favorite example of this is next time you guys go to Cozumel. On the cruise compass, there is oh, every time you're in port, there is a listing of where the consulate office is. Basically, where's the the nearest U.S. embassy that you can get to, which for a variety of reasons you might want to, but chief among them, get a passport. The closest embassy location, I think I put it on Google Maps one time, is like 10 or 12 hours away by car. And that includes traversing the ferry to get to the mainland. If there isn't one in Cozumel. So you would have to, in that scenario, if you got stranded in Cozumel for whatever reason, you got hurt. And you had to go to the hospital and the ship left without you, obviously, at that standpoint. Okay, now you've got to go deal with whatever issues you've got that cause you to be delayed over there or, you know, stay in Cosmo. But now you have to go get spend the time and money to get to the U.S. consulate. Get your Now when you have to go to the embassy, and the embassy hours are notoriously fickle. Get in there, get an appointment, get your 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 visa, your exit visa to be able to get out of the country, to get back in the United States. And then, you know, go back to the airport, wherever that is, and it... Don't want to do that. Get a passport. I, I I know it's extra cost, and I know it's extra time, and that's not easy for everybody. 
I would argue that it is it is an investment in your travel future. Not only can you use the passport for going on cruises, you can use it for other travel, you know, non-cruise travel. I know who would want to do that, right? But no, seriousness, like you can do this for, they're good for 10 years for adults. I know for kids, it is less than that. Just, just like paying for lots of other things for kids that only kids get and adults don't have to get when they become an adult. It's just the cost of having kids. And in my opinion, if you can afford to go on a cruise, you can afford to get a passport, quite frankly. And, and that, that's an opinion, obviously, but I, I think you should get one. I think everybody should get one. So somebody also uh, Googled here. Royal Caribbean is an example of, I don't know what you'd be searching for that. Um, I'm going to click on that. I wonder what that one actually brings up. Google Royal Caribbean is an example of, I don't know. I don't know why you'd want to search for that. I think when people want to figure out like what's like the, People also ask, what is Royal Caribbean known for? What type of cruise is Royal Caribbean? What is an example cruise? I think people, I don't know why you'd want to search that. That exact term is an example of, but um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, obviously it's, uh, Royal Caribbean is, is an example of a mass market cruise line. A contemporary cruise line um, is, uh, is a, um, I'll, I'll, you know, basically it's not a luxury cruise line. It's not a boutique cruise line. It is not a premium cruise line. Um, premium cruise lines would be like celebrity and princess cruise lines, Holland America to some extent. Um, you know, boutique would be like silver sea or something like that. That's a luxury line, quite frankly. And then, uh, Royal Caribbean is more like their contemporary cruise lines, mass market, carnival, Norwegian, Disney cruise line, that grouping, if you will. And the last thing I see here when people type in Royal Caribbean is from where this is actually a more common question because where Royal Caribbean is based out of. So, you know, Royal Caribbean's headquarters, Royal Caribbean International, Royal, Royal Caribbean Group's headquarters, I should say, is in Miami, Florida. But the company is based in Liberia. So this is a very common practice in the cruise industry that cruise lines are not, they're, they're, they're not U.S. companies in the sense of where Uncle Sam reports to, right? If you look up Royal Caribbean Group, it certainly operates in the U.S. Their headquarters in Miami, that's where their building is, that's where Richard Fain and Michael Bailey and all the executives you've ever heard of in your life, that's where they all work. But the company is incorporated in Liberia. Now, there's a lot of reasons why any company would want to incorporate outside the U.S. And a lot of people always point, ah, it's because of taxes. They want to try to skimp out on taxes. Well, if that was the case, every single company in the world would be based out of Liberia. But not every single company is based out of Liberia for a lot of reasons. I think, in my opinion, and and listen, the tax reasons notwithstanding, I'm not pretending that's not a, a part of the agreement, but really and truly the issue is cruise ships. If your ship is flagged in the U.S., meaning you say on the back of your ship, it says, you know, Oasis of the Seas, and it says, uh, you know, Miami, Florida, right? Because usually they're all, I think all of Royal Caribbean ships or most of them are flagged out of the Bahamas. The The reason why it's not based on the U.S. is essentially because then you're subject to U.S. laws pertaining to how you operate that particular business. And the cruise industry is, and this is not just Royal Caribbean, by the way, it's every single cruise line out there, not... It, Basically, U.S. laws make operating a cruise ship in the 21st century pretty much impossible. Number one, you need to build a cruise ship in the U.S., which is impossible. They don't. There's no U.S. shipyard that builds cruise ships the size of Royal Caribbean. So that's number one. Number two, you have employment laws related to OSHA and other things that just don't fly um, as it relates to that. Now, some people go, well, that's not fair. They're trying to skirt the things. Well, I mean, this is just the way things are. I mean, in, in a lot of the auto industry is a great example of this, right? U.S. automakers you know, are based in Detroit, but they build some of their cars in Mexico, some of their cars in Canada, some of their cars in, I don't know, other places, right? Uh, foreign makers do the same thing. A lot of foreign car makers, you know, Toyota builds, they have plants here in the U.S. And they do that to, you know, there's a lot of reasons. I'm not going to get into all these things. 
this is just how business works. It's, it's, it ain't pretty ladies and gentlemen. It's just big business is big business. And I'm not here to make excuses for them. I'm here to tell you that there is a rationale for it beyond simply dollars and cents um, is just the nature of the beast. There's a much longer conversation you could have about this because it is kind of an interesting discussion point, but uh, really and truly it has to do with how U S laws are made. A lot of the U S maritime laws were created in the 19th century and they really haven't changed. Um, and, and the great example of that is the uh, passenger vessels and services act, otherwise known sometimes incorrectly as the Jones act. And, uh, there's a lot of um, cabotage laws. Every country has cabotage laws, and the U.S. is specifically in how they handle crew members. It's you know it basically makes it impossible. And if you want to say Matt, that's that's all. <clears throat> that, you're, you're totally wrong on this. They could run a cruise ship out of the U.S. Look, Norwegian has one. They do indeed. The pride of America is indeed a we'll call it a modern cruise ship that operate that is a, that is flagged. In the United States, it is staffed primarily by Americans. It operates out of Hawaii. This is how Norwegian is able to offer cruises around Hawaii as opposed to just Hawaii being a stop along the way. And people apply it. There you go, Matt. There's the example. Until you actually talk to someone who's actually gone on that particular ship. And listen, every ship is different. And I've talked at length about how reviews are notoriously, you know, unreliable. But it's, trust me when I say that if you were to go try it, you would probably come back saying what many other people have reported. And I have not done it personally, so full disclosure, I have not tried it myself. But it is a subpar experience in a lot of people's views because the ship is super small, super old, and it just doesn't offer what cruise ships can offer. And there's no way Norwegian can really do much with it beyond what it currently does. It's essentially a glorified overnight ferry. And that may be a little harsh, but what I mean is it's purpose is to offer cruises around the Hawaiian Islands, so a floating hotel, if you will, as opposed to what cruise ships are, even in Norwegian's fleet, else, other outside of the Pride of America, and that is, you know, they're, they're destinations. There's things to do on there, and they're, they're much significantly larger. It's a, again, this is a much larger conversation, but that's part of the reason why I know I kind of went on, I should have just said Royal Caribbean is from, <laughs> they're based in Liberia, and they're headquartered in Miami and left it at that, but it's an obvious question. It's not, it's a good one there. So there you go. There are some weird Google searches uh, that are out there. And if this is if this is kind of interesting. Something different. Uh, maybe you knew about some of these, all of these, none of these. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to do this in the future as, uh, as time permits to, uh, because there's plenty of other things people Google that are just like, it makes you, makes you scratch your head about all these things as to, you know, what, where it's all based out of and, and all that kind of stuff. So, so there you go. Some fun we had here about Royal Caribbean is. All right, time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I read the emails you've sent in. If you want me to answer your email, you can do so by sending it to matt at royalcreamblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcreamblog.com. And uh, good news, there's a pretty good chance I'll be getting your email pretty quickly on this. So feel free to send it on in, and we'll see how many emails I can read. And, of course, it can be an email about a question you've got or something you read about at royalcreamblog.com or something in between about cruising. So... Always appreciate those. Let's start off with an email this week from Gabrielle, who writes, Hi, Matt. Just saw a news article saying that Royal Caribbean is not considering Canadians with mixed doses of the COVID vaccine fully vaccinated. As a Canadian who did my due diligence by getting any first vaccine that was made available to me for both doses and was encouraged by our prime minister, I'm concerned. 
I got Pfizer first, then Moderna. I'm fully vaccinated and have my government issued proof of both doses. Is it true that Rokerman will not consider me to be fully vaccinated? I have a cruise booked for January 2022. The three people I'm going with uh, are vaccinated with the mic with the unmixed doses. So it's just me and Jeopardy here. This is kind of devastating. Cross my fingers. Thanks for always sharing the lace and grace on your podcast. Gabrielle, thanks for the email. And I first and foremost, I got to say, I feel so bad for all of you Canadians that are out there that are listening and reading RokermanBlog.com. You did exactly as Gabrielle said. You did exactly what your government said to do. You got, I mean, it's not like you guys went off on your own and were like, well, I can do it this way. You did exactly what you're supposed to do. And let me first say that this is a CDC rule. Not that that makes it any better. And then I, like, like, oh, okay, well, in that case, that's fine. Like, the basically, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, has issued this edict. Reading it personally, my, my unscientific opinion, because I'm not a health official by any means, it sounds like basically the CDC is saying, well, we're not exactly sure how that works. Like what ha there's not enough data out there when you mix vaccines to know truly its effect or how effective it is. And therefore, we're not going to recommend it. And therefore, if you're a cruise ship passenger, which the CDC has jurisdiction over, they feel like, you know what? Play it safe. We're not going to we're not going to recommend or allow that. And Royal Caribbean is essentially they've changed their policy a couple of times. Gabrielle, I'm sure you've seen this already a couple of times, but. They've basically gone and said, you know, um, we're not. You're going to be considered unvaccinated now. If you're going on a cruise, Gabrielle, out of Florida, as of right now, anyway, and this could all change as you're going on a cruise in January, you would be able to go on the cruise uh, as of right now, but you'd be considered unvaccinated. Probably not ideal because you are vaccinated, right? I, I totally get that. the The only thing I can tell you is, number one, your cruise is not till January. A lot can change between now and January, and. I would at the very least wait until your final payment day before truly making a decision as to what Royal's policy will be. I think Royal Caribbean has heard from its Canadian uh, guests that this is not cool and they're they're not happy with it. And there's a lot of folks who fall into this particular situation. And there's also folks from other countries as well, by the way. It's not just Canada that's done this. It's a, it, it really didn't occur in the U.S., but I believe Germany is another country that is had this particular scenario play itself out. And um, I, I, you know, listen, at the end of the day, I, I hope, I think Royal Caribbean understands the issue. And I think Royal Caribbean would love to, to say you guys are fully vaccinated. It's good enough. It's a matter, I think of the CDC and really just, they're at the mercy of them in this particular scenario. So my, my hope Gabrielle is that by the time you get to your close to your January cruise, the policy will be changed. Uh, my hope is that the, with the Delta variants kind of, hopefully going down and on all this other stuff that we will see positive information and that we will see some of these restrictions being rolled back. That's my hope. I can't promise you that's the case, Gabrielle. I know you know as much as I do about this. So yeah, it is what it is. Next, we have an email from Matt M from Connecticut. Hi, Matt. Thought some fellow viewers might find this interesting. While booking air travel to Vancouver, Canada for a cruise, I found that air to sea did not offer the return flood I wanted, nor were they able to offer it when I called them. So after a little searching, I found that I could book one-way tickets and save money. Sounds crazy, but when booking one way from Canada, the price in Canadian dollars, not US, this little item saved me 20%. A dollar is about an 80 cents Canadian right now. Booked air to sea on the way out and then booked my own return. Thanks for the great YouTube videos. Wow, that's a really interesting tip. So it sounds like, and again, it, I'm not sure, uh, Matt, if, the, if I got this right. You booked, and you said at the end here, you booked air to sea, a one-way, then booked your own flight on the way back. But because you're booking in Canadian dollars, you save money in that regard. That's an interesting tip. I don't think I've ever heard that one before. I'll have to remember that because I've got a cruise out of uh, Canada for next uh, May slash June. So I might have to remember that particular tip. Thank you, Matt. That's a wonderful tip right there. Next, we have an email from Maureen. Right, Matt. Thanks so much for your podcast. It's very informational. 
One issue about which I haven't heard any podcast host talk about is natural immunity to COVID. I've had COVID and would rather not be vaccinated after reading the research at this point about natural immunity. My husband has had the vaccine. Do you think, with some countries like Iceland or the UK, accepting proof of recovery as well as vaccines, that cruise lines will start recognizing natural immunity? Also, what would be the difference between my experience being unvaccinated versus someone who's been vaccinated? Thanks so much. You bring up an, a very interesting point, Maureen, and I got to, again, remind everybody listening, I am not a public health official. I know I'm not a scientist. I did not go to school for epidemiology. I just have a microphone in front of me. So uh, full disclosure, and I think you all know this, but I, I don't know what I'm talking about. So let's just throw that out there, number one. Number two, uh, I think that there has been a trend that think these policies do evolve, right? And as I just talked about, Gabrielle, about you know that particular policy related to mixed vaccines, Maureen, I certainly, you know, listen, if, if you're seeing some, I, I'm not keeping track of what's happening in the UK or Iceland about that particular, you know, accepting proof of recovery as well as vaccines. Hey, maybe that that will change. I mean, as usually you have, you know, it's kind of a cascading effect, a snowball effect where something begins somewhere and then more and more pick up on it. You know, I, I can't speak to as to what the cruise lines and or the CDC will accept going forward. I, obviously, there's a very, 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 very strong preference for the vaccine. And that's primarily because the vaccine is more known in terms of its efficacy going forward as opposed to, you know, how long antibodies are there. And you can make the argument the other way around. I'm not going to get into that argument, but I'm just pointing that they, they, there's been far more of a focus on that aspect than there has been on the other one. And at the end of the day, I think they're trying to that that's the route they've been going. Could that change? 100 percent. Of course, it could change. Will it change? I, uh, that I don't know. I have no idea on that. But to answer your question, how would your experience be vaccinated versus unvaccinated? As someone who'd be technically unvaccinated, you would not be allowed to go into the, the main issue. I would say there's two things. Number one, before the you have to undergo some testing, which will have an additional cost to it that occurs uh, before and during the cruise. And then number two, you would be relegated uh, out of certain areas. So there are certain vaccinated only zones you would not have access to, depending on when you sail, Maureen. This could change. I don't want to. You should. Everyone should know that the policies I'm talking about right now pertain to you know really cruises here in August 2021. If you know you got a cruise in you know January like Gabrielle does or uh, October or 2023, it's likely all going to be different. But as of right now, if you were to go and hop on a cruise ship uh, out of Florida, because you would not be able to cruise out of other places, Maureen, you would be not able to go to certain places like the pub, schooner bar, casino, Izumi Hibachi. There's other places, but those are the ones that jump out to me off the top of my head. Um, but you'd be able to go anywhere on the pool deck, anywhere basically outside. You're pretty much good to go. So perfect takeover of key, the pool deck, um, you know, floor rider, water slides, no problems at all. Uh, it would just be a lot of those indoor places that are typically only frequented by adults that you would have to. You have to wear a mask, but of course, even vaccinated people are wearing masks on board. So, um, you know, the natural immunity thing is an interesting, I don't know how it's going to play out. I really don't. I, I, I know, you know, there's there's a lot of factors at play here. I don't pretend to know them all. And I, I certainly am not uh, naive enough, Maureen, to give you any kind of prediction because I have no clue. But I think it's an, I think it's a very valid point, And I'm glad you brought it up. And I appreciate you sending the email in. And that will do it for this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If you want to share with me uh, your question, your comment, your thoughts, your whatever about cruising, I would love to read it here on the podcast. Your tips, those were, that was a really good one as well from Matt. So oh, I wouldn't expect anything less from someone named Matt from Connecticut because those are really cool people. Uh, send me your email, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.